One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. What is up, my friends? We are back after I, I don't know. I still don't know. What are we now? Two hours after the game, and I'm still trying to figure out what happened, how it ended up being a four-three game, but. We got the win. I guess that's the main thing. Um, it's mad though. Like that is the most Spursy Liverpooly game you'll ever see in your life. Us racing into a three-goal lead, Spurs showing bottle to get back into it, and then showing no bottle to bottle it at the end and allow Jota to score, and we won. And mad. If you could just get a game to encapsulate both teams this season, and I guess their character. That's it. It was weird, but we got the win. And I gotta, I gotta be honest. I, I, when they equalised, I thought, Nah, that's a draw. No way are we getting a win. And yeah, that's football, and that's why we love it. It's mental. It's crazy. It drives you mad. It gives you ecstasy. It yeah, it's just that's football. I, again, sounding like I'm promoting Goldberg's channel here, but it is that. That is why we love the game. It is mental. How was Skip and Romero not sent off? Oh, look, I'm sure people will uh, be asking how Diogo Jota wasn't sent off. And I've uh, I've tried to think about this. I've tried to be fair on it because I was going through the comments on one of the YouTube videos and somebody asked a very fair question. Spurs fan came into the chat, congratulated us on a win um, and just asked what, genuinely, what did you think of the, the Jota incident? And I looked at it back. And I can understand both sides of it. But for me, the thing that makes me feel like Jota got away with the yellow correctly was that it was the height of the challenge. It was that Skip's head was coming down a bit. Jota probably felt he had a fair right to play the ball. Didn't get the ball. Not trying to say that. Um, but I feel like he wasn't out of control. It wasn't overly reckless. And it always looks bad when somebody's foot collides with a head. Like I mean, there's no way to dress that up. But I felt like the ball was there to be played and... It wasn't. It was right on the edge for me, and I wouldn't have had a complaint if it went the way of a red. And I also obviously don't have a complaint the way it went. I, I just don't feel there was enough in it. But again, I do understand that I'm potentially coming from this from a a biased position. It just looked worse than it was. Maybe. Yeah, that's my take on it. That's my honest take on it. Skips wasn't a red. 
by the way, that, that challenge on Diaz, that was never a red. Like, actually, the ref didn't even give a foul, which, again, what does Paul Tierney have against Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool? It's it's absolutely mental. To not even got a free and a yellow for that challenge from Skip. Now, it was never a red. I'm not even trying to argue for a red, but Paul Tierney is a joke. Paul Tierney shouldn't be allowed referee a Liverpool game. And I can't see how it's, it's even up for debate anymore. Klopp's come out again and said he doesn't. he's not happy with the yellow he got from Tierney and he's not happy with what was said to him by Tierney. Now, he hasn't gone into detail that I've seen yet about what that was, but he's an absolute joke of a referee, like most of them in the Premier League. And both sets of fans today will probably have very fair reflections of that game and very fair criticisms of the, of the man in the middle. And I think they're... There's valid points on both sides. Um, we're so injury prone, even our manager gets injured, said Andy. Yeah, I know. Kloppo obviously just wants to show somebody his socks. And that's where he got the hamstring injury from. Not even socks. Oh. What's the ah, I just pulled a muscle. <laughs> oh, I genuinely did pull a fucking muscle. <laughs> oh, I'll be the only man ever to go off a stream injured. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Happens to the best of us, Kloppo. You know, don't show people your socks. That's the only way out of this, Jurgs. Uh, right, Shane said, well, I've seen our most important player get sent off for a similar challenge to what Skip did. Uh, if there was consistency, either Casemiro, Skip, and Jota would have got sent off or none of them would have got. I guess what Casemiro was the only one to receive red. I get where you're coming from, Shane. I think that's one thing, whatever our own club allegiances and bias are, I think you're right in saying that we do want consistency of decision-making and we do want people treated the same way across the board. Um, I know the incident you're speaking about, it's a very fair comparison, actually, I think, from you with regards to the um, the Casemiro incident. I think it's very fair. Uh, but yeah, look, mate, um, at least for once, some of us, you know, we might be on different sides of the football allegiance fence, but at least we can all agree that they're um, they're not good enough in the Premier League. They just aren't. Did the Spurs fans that left come back? You know what, Anita, I was thinking that throughout the game. As Spurs got back into it and they got their first goal, I wonder, did somebody give them the heads up and did they they get back in or something? Because, yeah, be kicking yourself if if you left that, wouldn't you? Because it ended up being a more competitive game than I'm sure they were expecting it to be after 15 minutes. But look, what is criminal is how do we go from 3-0 up in 15 minutes to not having a shot on target until the end of the game after that point from 15 minutes right through no more shots on target until i think until jota scores nuts like that make it make sense do you know what i mean make it make sense that game was a great i think it was a great exponent for the psychological aspects of football um you race into a lead you think it's going to be an easy afternoon you're firing on all cylinders then you get back to that really, really sketchy moment in the game of football where you're two goals ahead and unsure what way to attack the rest of the game. Do you keep doing what you were doing? Do you shut up shop? Do you try to manage throughout the game? Because remember, there was a long time to go. So the ebb and flow psychologically of that game was really interesting to see because we didn't look like we knew what to do at 3-1. We didn't look like we knew how to finish the game, how to attack the game, how to manage the game. Weird. Really, really, really good insight into the psychology of football, that whole 90 minutes. Um, 
And I don't know how we won it. I don't know how we got that goal at the end. I know someone said there was a mistake from Lucas Mora or something that led to it. I don't even remember. All I remember is seeing Diogo Jota just nursing that ball into the bottom corner and thinking to myself, oh my God, we've actually pulled this out of the fire. Uh, yeah, so Graeme Souness is leaving Sky Sports at the end of the season. And look, like him or loathe him, at least he has a damn opinion. It's going to be a sad day when Graeme Souness leaves because I'm sick of bland unopinionated, fence-sitting yes-men in TV. So I, I'm, it's just going to be, we're, we're going to get another mundane pundit brought in that will just tow the company line and won't actually call shit out. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. I like people who say it as it is, as you know. Somewhere, some, some, somewhere in the world, Paul Pogba's doing a happy dance. That's all I can think. I'm sick of his biased BS being on television. I don't think he's overly biased, Shane. I think he has an agenda against Pogba. I'll give you that one. Is he any different to, to Keane, really, or Neville? I mean, maybe you get a bit more insight from Neville, but soon it's just called stuff straight down the middle. Um, not, sorry, not straight down the middle. As he's seen it, I should say. Sorry, I don't mean like he... He didn't show Liverpool allegiance. Of course he shows Liverpool allegiance. He's a former Liverpool player. I'm one of the best to do it. But I, I like honesty. I like I don't like yes men. I don't like bland, mundane, boring pundits who are there to blow smoke up each other's arse. Um, not my cup of tea. I, I like anybody who knows Irish TV will have known um will have known Dunphy and Giles and the, the lads on RTE. Like that's punditry. That is punditry. That that that's we were spoiled growing up in Ireland with Chippy Brady, with with Eamon Dunphy, with John Giles, and and then Richie Sadler coming in. And that's we we're so lucky for the like, best pundits. So here's my worry, right? So we're at the end of the season. Jones is doing bits, brilliant, great to see. I wonder where we're at with regards to the midfield search because. You've seen today Klopp being quoted as saying about a conversation with John W. Henry. I feel like we've gone almost full circle. So what I mean by that is we've gone from a situation where one target in Jude Bellingham and another player was probably what we were expecting all along. Then it got to, well, no, we need a bigger rebuild than we thought. And then that went into mean we need a bigger rebuild, so we won't have as much money, so we can't spend it all on one player to now kind of coming back around to this idea of us maybe being okay to get in two midfielders if we get in a centre-back. And I'm just at the point of thinking, well, if we're back to maybe two midfielders, surely we're back to the top range that we want. You know, if you're going to just go out and get two, maybe, then you go out and you get two top, top, top players. I'm confused and I'm worried about what we may expect. Um, I'm sure the club have it in hand. I'm sure Kloppo has it in hand, but... I guess until we see agreements, um, we're all going to be a bit nervy because the trust for us and the club on transfers probably isn't there. Um, so yeah, the Anfield Agenda Committee, as I mentioned earlier on, we decided that Ugarte, McAllister and Thuram are okay. We'll, we'll sign off on them, John. Uh, Chaz has said, if it's two midfielders, then it has to be Bellingham and Ugarte. Yeah, see, that's, that's my type of thinking as well. You go out there and you just, blow your load on two top-notch midfielders. I'd rather get two top-notch midfielders for about 150 than go out there, or maybe even 160 maybe, than go out there and drop 160 on three midfielders and not be so totally sure about them, if you hear me. 
as do you know what? As time has gone on and as the Bellingham disappointment or potential disappointment has washed over me, I have started to become a bit more optimistic about the ability of us to actually refresh that midfield and be competitive next season because I do feel like it's very clear what we need and the traits that we need in midfield. And if we can get those traits in midfield, we'll be all right. And by I'm kind of waffling a bit here. We don't need to go out there and bring in a specific type of uh, De Bruyne type midfielder or a very limited in supply, very creative superstar. We just need bulletproof, strong, athletic, good engine, tactically aware midfielders that will be the water carriers, for want of a better phrase. We need younger Hendersons. We need... Genie Wijnaldum's. We need, you know, we need players that can play forty games a season, that can run twelve kilometers a game, that can track back, break up play, keep it simple. We d- we don't have to go out there and find a, a De Bruyne or a Gerrard. So that's what makes me a bit more optimistic. Maybe that it can be done, and it can be done reasonably for us with regards to our transfer budget. Uh, Matthew said, I think we should get two midfielders, a right back, so Trent can slot right into midfield and a centre back. See, I think this is a misunderstanding of a lot of people about what Trent's new role is. The role is so successful because it allows him to be in two places. It allows him to fill in at right back where it needs be and drift in field while still running back in a straight line to cover and not being caught further up the pitch. His problem used to be that he was so far advanced if he gave the ball away, his side was so open that we we were open to attack time and time again. So moving him into midfield probably won't be as impactful as doing what he's doing now, if that makes sense. So I don't think the I don't think the idea of moving him solely into midfield is a good idea. Doing what we're doing but being better at it and the biggest problem I have with the, the inverted role Trent has had is that it, it does cause everyone to shift over one space, half a space across. And you've seen today and you've seen against Arsenal and you've seen in other games that the switch is on. So Robertson has to come inside and get narrow. And then that switch is on across to the far side if you've got somebody who can play the crossfield passes. So that's my worry about it. But yeah, I think if you were to drop Trent into midfield and bring in a right back, we'd lose something because... I don't know what midfielder Trent looks like. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I don't know what Trent in midfield solely looks like. Does anybody else struggle with that? Because I might be on my own here. Like, I might be absolutely talking out my backside, but I can't think of of what Trent will do as just a midfielder. That's probably on me, though. <laughs> That's probably on me. Almost a Thiago without the futsal skills. But does he have the... The tackling ability is what I guess I'm asking for Trent in midfield. I've seen him track back very well and break up play. But I haven't, to my recollection, I don't have many memories of Trent actually stopping the play in the middle of the park. Actually doing the breaking up in the middle. Remember him tracking back, breaking up play? Remember him being in his right back position for a few bits? But we still seem to be more... We still seem to be easy to get through. Like There was one point in that game where... Hoiberg went through five of our players in the middle of the park. Five of them. And nobody laid a glove on them. That's unacceptable. That can't happen. And again, not blaming that on Trent. Just trying to say, like, we need aggro-aggressive midfielders. He seems like a really attacking CDM instead of an attacking right-back. Almost like um, a Regista 
type role, like a a quarterback, you know. But he doesn't have the six mentality, so I don't think playing him as I think if you were to play Trent in midfield, it would be in a two, and it would go something like four two one three or four two three one, probably four two one three, and you do have one midfielder then who who has that freedom to play across the line and try and find space. But yeah, I guess if you have the right back in, so if you go 4-2, 4-2-1-3, probably Gakpo is a second striker in that case. You know, Gakpo being the advanced midfield position. It is possible, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we can get a picture of what Klopp's thinking with the style of midfielders that he does bring in. What I, what I would say about Curtis Jones is I'm blown away by what I'm seeing. I think I think he deserves all the credit he's getting. I think he's he's probably starting to silence a lot of us. Fair play to him. Fair play to Curtis Jones. Fair play to Jurgen Klopp for his belief in Curtis Jones. But where does this energy come from? Like, where is this Energizer Bunny version of Curtis Jones after appearing from? Because he is a pressing machine. And it doesn't seem to matter how far in the game it is. The lad's still there setting the tone. It's great to see. And fair play. Just fair play. Took his goal really well today. Very calm. Um, good movement off the back. Great ball from Trent, of course, as well. But everywhere I looked up today, when the press was set and we were defending from the front and we were closing down, Jones was in that pack hunting down. And I think for that and his continuation... Um, of his good form, fair play to the lad. That's what we want. We want to be proved wrong. None of us want, as fans, to be sitting here criticising a player. You know, I'm, I'm delighted that so many people are starting to see the positive traits. Uh, Craig, you alluded to this the other night with Curtis Jones playing better at the moment and by Chechich hopefully can get back on track after his injury. Surely we can justify going big on Bellingham providing his price drops to something more reasonable. I think if you went out there and you got a Bellingham and... Somebody else, as you said, whether it's a Thuram, whether it's an Ugarte, whether it's a Kone, whether it's, I don't know, somebody from 30 to 40, 50 mil max. Yes, Chaza. I think that, along with by Chechich, Jones, showing that he still has a bit, um, with maybe another year before Henderson moves on, Elliot, more time to develop, Carvalho to go on loan, Fabinho, it's Fabinho's the worry. Fabinho's the one for me, like, I'd almost be willing to sacrifice him. Yeah, okay, so this is what I'm trying to say. I'd almost be willing to sacrifice Fabinho and buy a defensive midfielder with whatever we get for him and then use the, the funds, the actual midfield funds, just for Bellingham. So we wouldn't really be adding in numbers, but we'd be refreshing for me. Because um, I think we've too many midfielders this season. I know that sounds mad. I know you're going to laugh at me, but I counted up 11 at one point, for three positions. So I think seven is probably enough. So if we had, let's say, Ugarte instead of Fabinho, let's say Bellingham, uh, Jones, Henderson, Thiago for one more season, by Cechic, uh, who else are we looking at there? You've got Morton coming back, so you make a decision on him. Um, actually, John, maybe I'm a bit light in that one then. Maybe I am a bit light. I don't think, I, I'm not sure on the fullback though. That's the one thing. I'm not sure on the fullback. I'm not sure we need a fullback. Actually, speaking of fullbacks, can we change the tone up a little bit? Robertson, where are we at? Because I'm unsure at the minute. I'm unsure. Again, today, he didn't play the defensive line well enough and we were caught out for Son's goal, I think it was. 
and his passing isn't up to scratch. And I know he's provided assists, but I don't feel like we're getting enough from Andy Robertson. And I, I don't know if I'm in the minority on that. I would sell Costas and get a player who's comfortable playing left or right back. That is probably something I'd agree with. Like, I'm in no way advocating to get rid of Andy Robertson because he's just having a blip. But I do think a fullback that could put in real pressure, because I don't know what it is with Costas, but he doesn't seem to be able to pressurise Andy Robertson for a starting position. And it's weird because I'm not going to sit here and say I think he's been crap, because I don't. I think maybe he's a little bit too attack-minded and we need a balance between the two. Someone says Cancelo. All right, Togden, calm down. Uh, Chaz said, Craig, the problem with Robertson and their new system is that we're meant to be playing with a back three, but Robertson goes flying forward uh, and we're left with two at the back on the counter. See, the weird side about that, right, is so Robbo goes flying forward, but he never commits himself on the on the wide, on the overlap, does he? Always tucking inside and cutting inside. So even if he does go on a burst forward, it usually ends up with a, an under hip pass or a very easy to defend low cross inside. We're not even getting the benefit of him maybe, you know, just being a little bit gung-ho and and trying to get in and whipping crosses from the byline. So I feel like there's not enough benefit to justify Robbo moving forward like that. Nunes hasn't been on it recently. Yes, very fair. And he came on today, and I said this in our Discord group afterwards, he was anonymous when he came on. And again, what's the word I'm looking for? Erratic when he came on. He doesn't look like he knows what he's supposed to be doing, where he's supposed to be. Um, so I feel like Jurgen Klopp's decision to to not start him is very, very justified and very understandable. Mm. And I think, I look, I think Darwin will come good. I do. But right now he just doesn't look comfortable with the system, with what's been asked of him. He doesn't look like he... He's able to be as regimented or as strict as Klopp wants him to be in certain aspects of his play. So I think, look, again, good headache to have. You've got Diogo Jota there who can do some bits, but we've got Diaz back. And how good was it to see Lucho play today and start off as well and quickly as he did and get himself a wonderful goal as well. And again, that's fair as well. Nunes does need more than 10 minutes to get to the pace of a game. That is a very fair point. Yep, absolutely. Some players are able to come off a bench like that and get up to speed, and other players need longer to get into a game. So, yeah, I think that's very fair. Would you prefer Everton to go down or stay up? See, I'm wrestling with this one back and forth because in one sense... Sorry, itchy nuts. In one sense, I had the... I, I want the City of Liverpool to have two Premier League teams. I want the City of Liverpool to have the financial impact of two top flight clubs playing with the tourism the travel the match day experiences all that stuff so for the city of liverpool and the people of liverpool i'd want everything to stay up but the shithouse in me and the liverpool the irish liverpool fan who has been absolutely rinsed by so many everton fans as being a man child uh whatever else i mean fuck them at this point i hope they go down um but you know what? I do worry if they go down. I, I worry for them genuinely about what will become of them because I don't think it's it's a given that they go down and back up because their their financial position is, is a bit worrying. And obviously with that new stadium that's been built, 
I would worry if they go down that I, I don't know if we'll see them back up for a few seasons, maybe even a bit longer. Um, I think that the financial impact of them dropping down could be really, really harsh. And look, I'm not saying all Everton fans are assholes, by the way. I know some, like Mike from the Blue Boys Network, absolute lovely fella. There are lots of great Evertonians, and I've had lots of fun with lots of cool Evertonians as well, but they don't like me very much. Um, but that's okay. That That's part of the game. At least I'll have the nicest stadium in the championship. Yes, there is that. There is that. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think if Everton go down, that they will come straight back up, or do you think that it could be a very sticky point for them in their club's history because they're a very good club in their community. Like you can't deny that about Everton. They're so their their club is very good in its local community, as is Liverpool, of course. But I, I it's weird because I both I both respect them and hate them at the same time. You know what I mean? They've done a lot of good stuff over the years, and I like when the two clubs can come together over stuff like Hillsborough and their support of, of fellow Scousers, and I like the food bank stuff, and I like... There's a lot I like about Evertonians, and a lot I like about their club. But then there's the other side of them that is just really a bit over the top in their hatred. But then again, maybe... like This is one of those times where I will say that not being a local probably does give me a very different perspective because, you know, whatever I say about the fact that I believe any Liverpool fan's opinion is the same as another one, I do feel like if you are born and bred in a city and there's two clubs in it and you grow up going to school and you grow up hanging around blue noses or, you know, I I do understand that, to be fair. I think there is a perspective there that I just won't understand. Is Arsenal a one-season wonder? Yes, it is. For me, it is. They will be there or thereabouts around top four, I believe. But I don't, I don't think you're going to see Arsenal realistically challenging for a league title again soon. Um, and that sounds completely bonkers because if you look at the age profile of, of the players they have, Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka... Everything should be set up there for a bright future. But I don't know. There's just something that makes me feel like they still have a soft underbelly to them. Because, let's be honest, hand on heart, no matter who you support, was there even 1% of you that thought that they were going to go to the Eddie had and get a result? Because nothing, nothing to me, I would have I had... Some belief Liverpool could have gone there and gotten a result. I'd have had some belief United could have gone there and got a result. Um, I'd have had some belief Chelsea could have maybe got a result at some point when they were challenging. But nothing made me feel like Arsenal were getting anything out of that game other than a hiding. So that was a telling point for me in, in my own thought process. I just didn't believe they would do it. I Once they came down to that game, I knew that was the end of their, their title challenge because... Yeah, I just knew they weren't going to be able to put it up to City. If Man City kicked out the Premier League, I feel like it would be a fairer league. I feel like that as well, mate. I feel like we'd have some amazing title races. And I feel like, actually, if you, if City were found guilty and booted out, I feel like we may eventually get a title race of Liverpool and United, which I haven't had in my lifetime. And that feels very weird. That two successful clubs... And we haven't had a real, a proper, like, there's been, 
probably a season where we finished second to them or something maybe or, or third definitely but don't remember a real toe-to-toe five six games to go couple of points in it i mean can you imagine can you imagine the buzz of a title race with united if if you won if you lost oh my god it'd be unbearable but it would feel um authentic I found this earlier on today. A bowler reports Manuel Agarte is packing his bag, sporting already talking to interest the club. England is the destination. <laughs> Let's wait and see. I have no idea if we're strong after him, Chaza. I, I don't know, mate. I'm completely out of the loop. I think we just find City 100 million to move on. What's the point of that? It's like pissing into the wind. A, f- a financial fine to city is is nothing that's not it's not even a slap on the risk um if city are found guilty and look they have every right to be given their day or their their uh their hearing but if they are found to be guilty of some all of or a percentage of those charges with how they've acted with how they've arrogantly scoffed at some of the stuff with the leaked emails that we've seen with the disregard and the lack of um, assistance they've given some of these investigations i think the the book should be thrown at them and i think the, the premier league has to do it because the last thing they want is is to look like that they're just pandering down to a club who's being successful um and maybe you know delivering some eyes to the league you have to think of the other 19 clubs you have to think of the owners you have to think of the fans you have to think of of teams who are trying to do these things in the right way and are being undermined by potentially dubious accounting what's the leaked emails just just google their spiegel and go back and look at the emails going through cities uh higher ups and where the money's been moved around from and how they basically say they could do what they want to a certain extent it's 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 arrogance like you wouldn't believe a real problem in the premier league is dominance this is tough because you had the eras where united dominated for a long time you had the eras where arsenal won league titles and and that was that was okay because it was it was real for manchester city to just come where they've come from and for us to be just told that this is all okay that they are genuinely getting these brand deals and these marketing deals and and that these um executives from some of their sponsorships that are stock alamy photos from random asian women or whatever it's fucking nonsense it's nonsense nobody's heard of any of these companies half of them have very little to no trading um particularly some of the, the the betting companies and stuff it's fucking lunacy that we're as educated rational human beings supposed to believe this shit like a club with no fans around the world can get better deals than united liverpool real madrid manchester city bayern munich juventus fuck off i mean look at the parades in their own city when they win something it's a man and his dog it's it's and we're supposed to believe that they have this worldwide like fuck off and this citizen shit can stop as well it's 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 just 
it angers me because it really just makes us they make they think we're thick they think that we'll just swallow any old shite and believe it and it riles me it really 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 riles me because it's everything i hate about sport it's just the arrogance of coming in and and ripping it up and ruining it and yeah it it really angers me because I, I keep asking myself like let's say that they're found guilty let's say that some of these charges stick it is found that they have unfairly yeah unfairly benefited from money that shouldn't have been allowed to be spent under FFP or under the the rules of the Premier League. There's nothing is going to give back those years. There's nothing is going to hand over those fans who were robbed of celebratory moments or league titles or whatever. Nothing. There's no justice that's going to ever bring any of that back. None of it. And every year that goes by is another year that we have to sit there and watch this this thing take over and treat the league and the rest of the football world with such complete disregard and arrogance that it disturbs me and angers me and fucking it boils my blood because it's fake uh, but again thank you to everybody for your for your time for your support for your comments for your uh laughs appreciate it uh can i sing the tiago song before you go nah need, need to tease you with something for the next time mate need to tease you with something so yeah have yourselves a good one appreciate your support again and don't worry about me sitting here for 30 seconds i'm just a weirdo you go and do your thing and have a good night and much love to you all ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 